going to try to get a little real this morning. This is the year of hope. And hope transforms. But hope transforms through authenticity. So it's not until we get real with God that, that hope's power will be unleashed. Here's reality. We all have stuff that messes us up, and it's called sin. And sin creates brokenness. And, and we all have it in, in similar and different ways. All of us have different struggles. We all have different things that, that, that cause us to get hung up. There's, there's, there's all kinds of ways in which sin works in our members. But thanks be to God, He has come to set us free. And that is our hope. Our hope and our confidence is in what Christ has done and, and in what Christ is doing. Because remember this, not only has Jesus come that we might be forgiven of our sin and made right with God, but Christ has come to transform us into the image of what God designed us to be. And this, this is a process we are going from one stage to another. I, I love Second Corinthians chapter 3. Look at what it says in verse 18. It says, And we all, with unveiled face... What's he talking about here? He's talking about how when Moses, when he came before the people after being in the presence of God, he had to veil his face, and he, he couldn't necessarily share it. And, and also the idea of this veil is before Christ was crucified, that there was a veil that, that separated God from His people. So he says, now with, with the veil removed, we are now beholding the glory of the Lord. We see the holiness of God. We know God personally, intimately. He, for those of us who believe, He reigns in us. He lives in us. He's alive, and we are alive in Him. So we are being transformed by this Lord, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. From one degree to another. Day by day. Week by week. Month by month. Year by year. We are becoming more and more like Jesus. One day at a time. One step at a time. One act of repentance at a time. We are becoming more and more like God. And so we are from one degree of glory to another growing. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This ability to pursue and recover God's design. It is a work of God through the power of His Holy Spirit who not only gave us light that we might believe, but now lives in us and lives through us. And that is the Gospel. That is the gospel, and I love how it's represented in the three circles. I mean, again, invite you to pull out a pen and, and draw these and see this. But today I want you to see it as much more than just something that happens once. It's something that happens over and over in our lives. See, we, we come to understand God's design through His Word. We understand that God is holy, and His desire and His design is to set apart a people for Himself to make them holy. Why does, why does have God have to bring about a transformation? What's wrong? Well, because we sin. We are born with a sin nature, and we sin, and we create brokenness. And so all of us, by, by the very fact that we're separated from God from birth, that we have a sinful nature by birth, we sin, 
And there is brokenness in us, and there's brokenness in our members. But God has not abandoned us because of the gospel. God has come to rescue us. And so if we will repent of our sin and believe that Jesus Christ paid the penalty from our sin and has been raised, now we're free to recover and pursue God's design. And that is not something that just happens once. That doesn't mean that you're saved over and over again. But what it means is, is once you come to know Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection, and He has set you free to live for Him, that you might grow in Him and go from one degree of glory to the other, you will see God's design more clearly every day. You will recognize sin in yourself and the brokenness it's creating. You will repent and believe in the gospel, not for salvation, but for sanctification, for transformation. And then you will be free to pursue and recover God's design. Now, how do we want this to work? We don't want it to work from one degree of glory to another, do we? I don't. As I shared with you last week, I want a perfect pettis now, right? I want, I want just Jesus to just add himself into me, and I want to stir, and voila, perfect pettis. That's the way I want it to work in my life. That's not how God works. That's not how it works in reality. In reality, yes, I am perfected in Christ because I have a holy standing before God. But my practice, how I live out my life to the glory of God. Listen, I'm not there. There's still sin that is waging war against my soul. There are still desires in this flesh. There's a devil that's out to get me and you, and we live in a fallen world. And as long as we are dealing with the flesh, the world, and the devil, we're always going to have a struggle. But that doesn't mean that transformation is not possible. It is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we get real with God, there will be a change, but it will take time. Remember, it's not like Kool-Aid. You just don't add a little Jesus, and then you're perfected. No, what is it like? You get a vision of God's design, and then by His grace, we go from looking like this spiritually to becoming more and more like this without the tattoo, right? We become more and more in the image of what God created us to be as we discipline our lives around the grace of God. Hear that? As we, we discipline our lives around the grace of God, we are transformed. See, wait a minute, I thought grace was this free gift and, 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 and there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing that you can do. That's true, you can't earn it, but there is something you can do. You discipline your life around the grace of God. You choose to see God's grace and the power of the freedom that He brings. And you choose to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit because Christ is raised in the power of the resurrection. And when you do that, there is a transformation that takes place. In our text, we see this, this picture of what God is doing. We see the reality. We see what, what is required of us, guys. We've got to get real. And, and there is transformation that happens when there is authenticity in us. Hope transforms through authenticity. I want us to see that in our text today. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and go with me now to 1 John chapter 1. If you didn't bring your Bible, there's one in the pew right in front of you. We're working verse by verse through 1 John this year as we walk through the year of hope. And let's all stand together in honor of God's Word as Madison Coomer comes to provide our reading for us today. Excited to have Miss Madison. She will soon 
be in those baptismal waters, making public profession of her already saving faith. Madison, won't you read for us First John chapter one? Won't you read for us verses eight through ten? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. This is the Word of God. Thank you, Madison. If you would, go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> Last week, um, when I was out in the lobby uh, greeting folks, I, um, I was talking to a little boy I know who had two uh, splints on each arm. And I uh, um, heard the story from, from him and his dad. Apparently, he was at a birthday party, and he was climbing on something he wasn't supposed to be climbing on. And he fell off, and he busted his head, and when he fell, he landed on head and two hands. And after they cleaned the blood off of his head, he confessed that, that his right arm was hurting. And he said, oh, it hurts so bad. So they go to the ER, and sure enough, it's broke. Two days later, his dad tried to hand him something with the left hand. He said, Dad, I can't hold it. He said, why not? He said, well, I didn't want to tell you, but it, it hurts real bad, too. And he said, well, how bad does it hurt? He said, well, I can't move it. They go to the ER. Sure enough, it was broke too. That little boy is tough as nails. I told him, if you're ever mad at me, let me know. I don't want somebody as tough as you coming after me, all right? If you can walk around, if you can sleep with a broken arm, I, I don't want to mess with you. And he just smiled. But, you know, there he was, little eight-year-old guy with a broken arm and so much pain. And, and his dad said, he asked him, he told me, he said, I asked him, why didn't you tell me? He said, I was afraid of what you would say and do. I knew you'd be so disappointed with me, and I, I hate to disappoint you. So many of us, I know I am, like that little boy. We don't want to admit our brokenness. We don't want to admit what we've done that's caused the brokenness. We would rather walk around in pain and pretend that we're okay rather than come clean and get real with God and say, this is my sin, this is what I've done, and here are the consequences, and here's the brokenness in my life, and here's the pain, and, and come to God and, and come to Him in faith and say, Lord, this is really where I am. And this is really what I've done. And this is what's, what's happened. And I need your forgiveness and I need your healing touch. And then to be a part of the body and, and to be able to come and say, this is real in my life. This is what has caused this brokenness and pain. And here's where I am. And to trust in the power and the love of God. To trust that God loves you the way the Word of God says He loves you, and that is with an everlasting love. It is a love that will never let go of you. It is a love that is eternal and has the power of the Almighty behind it. This is the love that God bestows on all who believe. And when we know that and we believe that, we can get real and we can be authentic and we can be transformed. There are two things that our text tells us that, that, that we must not be afraid of as we go through this process. And then there's two, there are two things that we very much need to be very much afraid of. Let's, let's look at those and, 
Let's see what our text tells us today. Take note of this one. The text tells us, do not be afraid of the truth of God. Don't be afraid of it. Don't fear it. Look what it says in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. The truth is always your friend. The truth is always your friend. The truth will help you will help you get over what it is that is causing you the pain, that has caused the brokenness. The truth will allow you to see it, and then the truth has the power to set you free because of the love and the grace and the power of our risen God, Jesus Christ. And so when we have the faith and the confidence and the courage to see the truth, God's design, we can see all of what God has done. You know, I have friends in my life, and, and, and maybe you're a person like this, who, who just refuse, they refuse to go to the doctor. They refuse. I, I've, I've had family members. My dad was like this. Absolutely hated to go to the doctor. Many times would refuse to go to the doctor. And we would ask, why won't you go? Why aren't you going? You're supposed to go. Why won't you go? I don't know. I just don't like it. I just don't. I'm fine. I don't need it. You know, he, my daddy had four heart attacks. Started off when he was age 37. Uh, was done at the age of 49 because he lived so hard and he would not he would not deal with the brokenness and the pain that was going on in his life. He didn't want to go to the doctor. You want to know why? He wanted to hear the truth. He was more afraid of the truth than he was of what would be required in order for him to be transformed. He was afraid of the truth. He was afraid that he would hear, here's what you're doing. Here's what's going to have to be changed. Here's the reality of what's going on. But here's what the healing process will look like. If I'm honest with you, there are many times that I, 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 don't, I don't come to God the way I should. I come to God with this, this desire to be able to say, okay, God, push me forward because I'm ready to go forward. And there are times I read the Word of God and the Word of God reveals a part in my life that says, hey, I'm all ready to go forward, but we got to deal with this. Because here's the truth. Here's what's going on. And that's, that's hard. Because I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to open God's Word, and I want to hear, you're running the race. You keep going. You get after it. But there are times when the great physician who is our God will say to us, this is sin. And this is wrong. And this must change. Friends, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. The truth is our friend. And let me tell you what the truth will do. It'll humble you. You know, so often I, I want to hear that God is pleased. You want to know what pleases God? Let me let the Word of God speak for itself. See if you can catch on to what it, what it is that pleases God. Guys, go ahead and put those up. For you say they humble people... But the haughty eyes you bring down. Go to the next one. He leads the humble in what is right 
and teaches the humble His way. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He adorns the humble with salvation. So did you catch it? What, what is it? What is it that, that the Lord blesses? Say it out loud. He blesses the, the humble. You want to know why the truth is your friend? Because it will humble you every time. And you know what's good about that? God blesses the humble. God restores the humble. God saves the humble. God blesses the humble. See, if we pursue God's design, let me tell you what's going to happen. We are going to see our sin. Here's a weird one for you. The closer you get to God, the further you're going to feel from Him. Why is that? Because the closer you get to God, the more you see of His holiness and the more you realize of your sinfulness. And so the more you see of His holiness, the more you realize of your sinfulness, you realize the, the great chasm that separates the reality of who God is versus the reality of who we are. And you know what spans that gap? Not our behavior, but God's grace. And here's the truth. And here's the truth that will set you free. God loves you. God has come to rescue you. God has paid the penalty of your sin on the cross of Jesus Christ. God has conquered death. And through the power of the resurrection, we can now be transformed because that power is now alive in us. That's the truth. And you don't need to be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of the truth. And don't be afraid of what it's going to do. Write this one down. Do not be afraid of the change of God. Look in verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The first time we come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, we experience the, the power of the gospel and it changes us. But you need to understand, this is not the last time, this is not the last time we will experience the power of the gospel. So many Christians have been wrongly taught that the gospel is for salvation just for us to be made right with God in this one-time point of confession. And that is not true. Salvation is the beginning of living a gospel-centered life. Coming to saving faith is the first time around. It's the first time you will come in contact with the reality of your sin and brokenness. It's the first time you will repent and believe the gospel. It's the first time you will begin to pursue and recover God's design. But the more you seek God's design and the closer you get to God, the more you will see of His holiness and the more you will see of your sin and the more you see of your sin, the more you will see of the consequences, the brokenness in your life, which will require you to repent and believe in the power of the gospel, which will allow you to pursue and recover God's design. And the closer you get to God, do you see what happens here? It is a process. It is a lifelong process process of living a gospel-centered life around the goodness and the love and the power of God and His mercy. 
And we grow through this. At least we're supposed to. But there are some who get stuck. Some of you are stuck. Some of you are in the shallow end of the pool, and you've been there for a while. Some of you are shallow believers. And, and, and you're, you're forced many times to even wonder if you really are a believer because you're not battling, you're not growing, you're not seeing the transformational power of the gospel at work in your life. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews talks to uh, God's people about that. And we see in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, it says, For though by this time you, you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Understand that the mature in Christ are those who are trained. They are disciple makers. They are people who are sharing the gospel with others. They're experiencing the power of the gospel and they're sharing the power of the gospel. They're inviting God. They're encouraging God to bring about change. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Is that you? Do you know the truth of God's Word and are you practicing it? So that you are sharing it and living it and being conformed to it? And is it changing you? Are you a mature Christian? Are you someone who's experiencing the power of God in a way that is so real, so authentic, that it's setting you free day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment? Understand what the Christian life is and what it isn't. Guys, (coughs) put that up there for me. The Christian life, yeah. The Christian life is not a matter of gaining information, but of experiencing transformation. It's not about going to the next study. It's not about checking off the box and said, had my quiet time. Tell me about your relationship with God. Fifteen minutes? What? Yeah, yeah, fifteen minutes. I spent fifteen minutes with God. I did the 30-30 challenge. 30 minutes. I'm double what most people do. I'm 30-30. Woo, that's me. Woo, come on. Mature, right here. I'm there. I got it. I do it. Ask me. I'll tell you how great I am. I'm mature. Got this. I judge other people. That's right. I know Christian music, and I know secular music. I know bad Christian music. I tell you what's wrong with it right now. I can tell you what's wrong with all the rest of the Christians, how they ought to be like me. And Jesus. Because I got this. When I read the New Testament, it's amazing how the gospel writers don't sound like that. It's amazing how humble they are. See, when we get close to God, you get humble. It's because you see your sin. But you trust the power. And you repent and believe. What does the text say? Look in verse 9. It says, if we confess our sin, God is faithful. What does that mean? That means He does not fail to do what is right. He's faithful. He does not fail to do what is right. And He's just. He is always right in all He does. So God is faithful. He does not fail to do what is right. And He's just. He is always right in in what He does. And, And He's faithful and just to do what? First of all, to forgive. To make right what was wrong. That's what forgiveness is. It's God making us right. 
It's us. It's Him restoring that relationship with us. How does He do that? By cleansing us. He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is it to be cleansed? It is to remove the stain completely. It's over. It's forgiven. That which separated us from God has been removed. We are made right with God by faith. And now our right standing with God enables us to see the reality of His design and how far we have to go. So again, the three circles. Can you see this? Can you picture what this does? Yes, the first time you're saved, you understand God's design in your sin and the brokenness, so you repent and believe in the gospel. It allows you to recover and pursue God's design. But having been saved, having been transformed the first time by the gospel of Jesus Christ, you begin to pursue and recover God's design. And the closer you get to God, the more you see of His holiness, which reveals your sin. And as you see your sin, you will see the consequences of sin, which is the brokenness. The brokenness in your relationships. The brokenness in your attitude. The brokenness of the pain of things that have happened in this world because of you. And you repent and believe the gospel that God loves you still. That God has the power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to make you new, to transform you. And so you again are able to recover and pursue God's design. Don't be afraid of this. Desire this. Don't be afraid of the truth. Don't be afraid of the change. But let me tell you two things that you need to be very much afraid of. Be very afraid of the offense of God. Look in verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. God's Word tells us that we have sinned. And if we say we haven't, we're calling God a liar. And friends, that's dangerous. And it's not dangerous because of what it does to God. You can't change God. It's dangerous because of what it does to us. See, the offense of God impacts us. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And we make ourselves the ones who are telling the truth. We become arrogant. We become prideful. We, 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 we put ourselves in the wrong place. Sin exists because of our arrogance. Sin exists in our lives because of our arrogance. We say to God, you're wrong, we're right. You're a liar, I'm the truth. What I'm doing is best. What I'm doing is the right thing to do. What you're telling me to do is the wrong thing. You're wrong, God. I'm right. Every time we sin, that is exactly what we are doing. We're calling God a liar. And the danger in that is what it does to us. That doesn't change God. Us calling Him a liar doesn't make Him a liar. He's the truth. It messes us up, though. It destroys the foundation of our existence. See, when God is in the wrong place in our life, everything else gets messed up. One of the scariest times for me going to, years ago, going to middle school basketball games was watching middle school cheerleaders create a human pyramid. It scared me to death because it looked like a human death trap. As little 12, 13, 14-year-old girls begin to pile up on top of one another. And everyone else would be looking at the top. You know where I was looking? I was looking at the foundation whose knees are wobbling, right? 
because all it takes is one little cheerleader, one little seventh grader to go down and then you have death trap. And so I would often begin to pray during basketball games. I wasn't worried about the game. I was worried about cheerleaders dying because of their inability to hold one another up because I was worried about the foundation. Let me tell you something. If the truth of God and His love and His grace and His mercy and the fact that He is right and you are wrong, if that's not the foundation of your life, it doesn't matter how pretty you make the top look. It doesn't matter what kind of veneer you can create. It doesn't matter what kind of stuff you've got. It doesn't matter what your family looks like or how successful they appear. If the foundation is wrong, if you're right and God is wrong, if that's your foundation, sooner or later the whole thing is going to crumble. It's going to be a death trap. And that's the danger. And you need to be very afraid of that. Very afraid that you and your arrogance are calling God a liar. And you are deciding what is best, not Him. And in your arrogance, you're refusing to come under the Lordship of Jesus and repent and believe. Sooner or later, your whole life is going to come, come crashing down on you. Fear that. Be afraid of that for your family and your friendships and your marriage. Fear that. Second thing to fear, be very afraid of the absence of God. Look at the last part of verse 10. It says, you know, if we lie and we deceive ourselves, and His, His Word is not in us. If we do not get real with God and deal with the sin within, then we are deceived and His Word is not in us. If God's Word is not in us, friends, hear me, we are lost. If we don't get real and humble ourselves and admit our need for God, we will live a life absent of God. What does that look like? A life absent of God is dead to God. You're on your own. It's a life that is lost. You have no direction. You are without hope in a decaying, dying place. You're weak because the only strength you have to rely on is your own. You're alone. You are utterly alone. It doesn't matter how many crowds of people you can get around you. It doesn't matter how many boys you can get to like you or girls you can get to like you. It doesn't matter how many clients you can get, how many dollars you can earn. It doesn't matter how many people you can have answering to you or afraid of you. It doesn't matter. All that stuff, at the end of the day, you're alone. And when you pillow your head at night, you know, it's just me. And the terror of that is not simply that you're alone, but that you're under the wrath of because God is holy and you're not. And God deals with sin with all of His power and all of His might. And this morning, what I want to invite you to do is to stop living. Stop living in this facade. Come to the real world. The real world where God is holy and we're not. The real world where we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. The real world where we acknowledge our need to be transformed by the gospel and repent and believe to be free to pursue and recover God's design. Come to the real world where our prayers are heard 
because we come in the righteousness of Christ and we can ask Him for a miracle. Some of you, you need a miracle today. You need a miracle of transformation in your life. You need to see a miracle happen in someone else's life. You know what has power? The prayer of a righteous person. You know how a person is made righteous? By grace through faith in Christ alone. If you are pursuing recovering God's design, there is power in your prayer. And you can with confidence come before the throne of grace and ask Him for a miracle. And I want to invite you to do that right now. So let's stand together and pray. Father, the truth is we need a Savior. The truth is we need to be changed. We need to be transformed. But Father, as long as as we refuse to get real, as long as we refuse to be authentic, there's no hope. But Father, oh, the hope that is ours when we can say to You, the one true God, You are holy, You are right, You are good, and You love me, and I see my sin, and I see the brokenness, and I repent, and I believe in the Gospel and Your love, and I will pursue and recover Your design. And as we do that, God, we will see other places where transformation is needed, and we will be free to pursue Your perfect design for making us who You died for us to be. So God, today, would You set captives free? Would You allow men and women, children, to come and get on their knees before You and get real? And say, God, I see the lack of transformation in me. I see the need for salvation in me. I see the need for for You to do a miracle in me. I see the need for a miracle around me. And God, may they have faith and confidence in You to perform the miracle that they're about to ask You for right now. Lord, I pray you'll do this in the name of Jesus. Amen.